It is Tuesday, February, what, 5th. 2019, and you are tuned into HTM Sports. I don't write opens for the sports shows. You're tuned into HTM Sports here at twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day. Give it up for the man, the myth, the legend, the man actually who put on a jersey for the sports show, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to HTM Sports. It's me, it's me. It's that R of the V to the V. Rick Vickery sporting uh, my best Jargo look today. Trying to get the bill as flat as I could. Dug out an old jersey. Uh, a little bit of uh, homage to my main man, my, my tag team partner, my best friend, Mr. Michael Jargo. I appreciate it, Huckleberry. You're looking good. Not real sure about the Cincinnati Reds cap with the Bulls jersey. I mean, at least the colors go together. But, well, man, I always got some say, city yeah. consistency. Well, I, got, I got the C, the C connection, okay? I got the color scheme down. You know what? You know what? the heck with it i'll just go back to my, to my regular look okay just for the rest of this thing okay well i guess while you're while you're changing your clothes i'll go ahead and welcome everybody to the show we've got a couple of people over here in the chat room already now he's looking like he's chris jericho huckleberry let's go ahead and uh let's jump into it because we've got some some fun stuff to talk about today this is the first time we get to really talk about the super bowl we've exchanged a couple of messages we talked about it a little bit in the locker room monday at hackerhameen.podbean.com but now we can really jump into it let's get real deep on the super bowl here because dude there's nothing to talk about there's nothing to talk about at all the patriots just beat the rams 13 to 3 it was a defensive battle i would trey wingo if you didn't like the game you didn't like the game just shut up about it i don't want to hear your crap anymore unless you live in new orleans we'll talk about the new orleans people here in just a minute but i mean huckleberry the saying is defense wins championships and both of these teams were going to win a championship, and the defenses stepped up. I thought it was a great game. Well, I'd say, you know, uh, so many people were hearing out there, uh, this was a boring game. This was the worst Super Bowl that they'd ever seen. You know, say, you know speak to boring. Okay, you know, that's a personal preference. That, that's your flavor. I, I get that. But to say this was a bad game really makes me question if those individuals even know what the hell they were watching. Do you understand uh, what was happening inside that game, the fundamentals of American football? I mean, you really have to question your fandom. You know, examine your fan card if you should be handed in if you thought that was a bad football game. I mean, this, you know, we were talking about a defensive front here. I mean, this was right there in the battle lines. This was a tale of two defenses trying to implement two different strategies. And, you know, in the case of the Rams, it was a, it was a bend, don't break. And with the Patriots, it was all out blitzkrieg. Uh, they executed to perfection. And then on the flip side of that, you know, you have the young gun offense. It was lost in so many ways, but you're still waiting for that, that breakout run from them. Then on the Patriots, they did an incredible job starting drives. They just couldn't finish. They ran into that bend, don't break. Rams defense, great special teams on from, from both sides of the ball. And it seemed like every snap mattered. There was a sense of importance throughout this entire game, and that all led up to a very exciting finish. I don't know what more people could ask for. You know, just, just because this wasn't over the top, you know, instant gratification style that we've become accustomed to throughout the regular season. Hey, they always say when you when you're going to get over, you're going to grab that crown. You got to get back to the fundamentals, back to the foundation of the game, and that is defense. Defense wins championships, and that is what we saw here. Yep, I, I absolutely agree. Time of possession favors the Patriots, 33 minutes and 10 seconds to the Rams, 26-50. I mean, this thing, it, it really, it was a one-possession game with about, what, four minutes left to go? 
What more do you want out of a Super Bowl? It was a one-possession game. I mean, I'd rather watch this and watch the Patriots blow them out by 40 points. You know, overall, this game reminded me of Risk, a game of world domination. You know, it was so strategic in each little move. And even through this thing, there was a couple of big plays where you thought, okay, this thing is going to blow this game open. And then those, those defenses would kind of anchor down, you know, and, and put their nose to the grindstone and hold tough. They were talking about big plays there at the end of the game. I think the play of the game came, you know, halfway through it when we saw that big, it was a hustle, an amazing hustle play on behalf of the Patriots defense. The corner coming, he was nowhere near that coverage to break up the Rams touchdown. I think that was really the game changer and and what gave the Patriots this championship. Julian Edelman named the game's MVP, 10 receptions, 141 yards. And, Rick, this has brought up the most fascinating conversation that I could find on Sports Talk Radio regarding the Super Bowl. So I thought we'd go this direction as well. Is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? Which sounds ridiculous because we remember him inside of the playoffs. This dude is a beast in the playoffs. This year, he had 26 receptions, 388 yards, just in the postseason. Over 100 yards, receiving six times in his postseason career. Becomes the first wide receiver since Antonio, San Antonio Holmes 10 years ago to win the MVP. But when you look at his regular season stats, there's no way this guy is a Hall of Famer. It's just that his postseason resume kind of speaks for itself, though. I think you, you have to really break it down. And he's got some great support. because I think it was, uh, you know, the great Jerry Rice that kind of came to his support. And said, so you really got to look at what this guy does in great moments. And in, you know, in professional sports like that, entertainment wise, it's about those big moments that can define you. So if, if we're going to take that into consideration, you've got to have him in the discussion. But, you know, you're right. You know, we look over at his, you know, his grand work. You know, that regular season, it's not quite there. And, and do we, how much credit do we give to the system that he is in? How interchangeable is that, is that part in that Patriots machine that keeps rolling on? Well, but you say that, and one of those parts has always been Julian Edelman. I mean, just as much as it's been Brady, as much as it's been Belichick, you look at his career stats, he has 499 receptions, five thousand, a little over 5,000 yards, 30 touchdowns in his entire career. In his entire career. And we're talking about if this guy should go in the Hall of Fame. Like, can well, we just I, have, like, a postseason Hall of Fame? I'll put Julian Edelman in it. Well, and, and then look at this, though. You know, let's let's pull, let's let's take a side on that flip. You know, where we put in people, uh, it's an easy comparison, like a, a who was the Seattle receiver, wide receiver, uh, Steve, Steve Largeman. Is that it? Oh, okay. Uh, you know, he had all, you know, all that regular season success and he never really did anything that totally wowed you on the field. You know, even in his prime, you had people, you know, like your Jerry Rice's, your Andre Reed's and all that. Those were the names that popped that you would all be like immediately Hall of Famer. Right. You know, on the other side with Arjun, you just had, hey, man, you had this slow ass white guy with some incredibly gifted hands that kind of just he just hacked away at you. You know, season after season, he had that longevity and he put together all those amazing stats. But we don't remember him for anything in the postseason. So there's two sides to that coin. The best wide receiver I ever saw play football is not in the Hall of Fame. He's not going to get into the Hall of Fame. And it's Sterling Sharp. He was the best wide receiver I ever saw play football. And it's a damn shame that his career was cut short. Because, man, if... if... After these messages, we'll be right back. All right, we're back. I think. 
We'll see how long this lasts. We're having some technical issues. We're, we're back after the break there, but I think we, we're in like uh, the, the frozen tundra out there with you, right? Like literally, we got ice everywhere. Oh, man. All right, we, we, we've got about two-tenths of an inch of ice that's covering everything in Cedar Rapids right now. So You guys are not getting a break this year, man. No, it has absolutely been a rough year. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to the Super Bowl, obviously, is going to be ratings because that's kind of what we do. 98.2 million viewers on the average this year, a 41.1 rating, 100.7 million viewers at its peak, and this is a disappointment. 100 million viewers is a disappointment, because this is actually the lowest-rated Super Bowl since 2007. Now, we'll talk about New Orleans, because New Orleans absolutely plays into this. But overall, Rick, is this just hatred of the Patriots? I don't know if it's if it's just hatred of the Patriots. I think it more it might have to do with fatigue. You, you know, we're we're seeing the same team over and over, and just not hearing the ratings. What we saw on the the street market for tickets that that second group of sales where they actually you know us fans can actually try to get our hands on some where the you know the corporations haven't gobbled them all up from us. Uh, those were at an all time low. I mean, yeah. this is you know this is the what the ninth time. And, you know, since 20, what? Since 2000, the 2001-2002 season. Yeah, since 2002 that the Patriots have been here. You know, a lot of people have been there and done that. Their fans have seen it. And, and you know, just that general that general kind of feeling around around the country, hey, we've seen the Patriots here before. And and even with that hot market, it is, as much as it is so desired by professional sports leagues of Los Angeles, I don't think the rest of the country really feels – that, that California vibe anymore, especially when it comes to professional football. Well, I, the Rams are st- – they've only been there for, what, three years now? They, they don't even have their stadium done yet. Once they get that new stadium constructed, that's that's going to be impressive. And I think there will be a well, lot of eyes on the Rams and Chargers. I, I think, yeah. I mean, that's just kind of that West Coast lifestyle. They're going to wait till their, you know their new palace opens. But still, you know, they've had football there before. And time after time, it's kind of fallen off. Where it, it's just not like a long-term success there. As Daniel Bryan would say, they're fickle. They're fickle fans in Los Angeles. Of course, I'm a I'm a fickle fan of Los Angeles, but we'll we'll, we'll talk about the Lakers here in, in just a few minutes, assuming that the stream is going to hold. Uh, the other thing to, that absolutely plays into this rating is New Orleans. Obviously, New Orleans was boycotting the Super Bowl. They're all kinds of upset about everything going on. They're, well, who they should be upset with is Sean Payton for throwing the damn football to begin with. They should have just ran the ball, kicked the field goal, go to the dance. For God's sake, get the blame in the right places. But New Orleans only pulls a 26.1 rating. Now, I think there's a lot of people don't necessarily understand what ratings mean. And they talk about people cutting the cord and all that. That, that has absolutely nothing to do with the rating. The rating is the percentage of people that have access to the game that are watching the game. So it doesn't matter if you have 100 people with access to the game or if you have 50 people with access to the game. So the the whole cutting the cord thing doesn't do anything for me. Super Bowl 52, the rating in New Orleans proper was 53. 51, 48.4. This year it drops down to 26.1. That very well could be the difference in uh, 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 a good chunk of why this was the lowest rated Super Bowl. A little, a little bitter, a little bitter in the bayou. Just a little bit bitter, a little bit bitter. Like half the people of New Orleans were like, nope, not watching it this year. 
Was there like a, a, a season premiere of like swap people or something that I wasn't aware of running against the Super Bowl here? I mean, were they just tuning in to see their relatives somewhere Dude, else? Those people, they on? got billboards going up and they, they wanted Goodell to restart the game because he has that authority and all this other. The one that really cracked me up, the one that absolutely just made me lose my mind. You saw the lawsuit thing, right? Yes. Okay. The, one of the first lines inside of that lawsuit, they questioned the NFL's integrity. The New Orleans Saints, the same team that had their general manager and coach suspended for a year for putting bounties on people, are going to call the NFL out for their integrity. Come the fuck on. Let's, uh, let, let's move over to the NBA. James Harden. We got to talk about James Harden because we, we try to talk about James Harden and every time we do, Twitch tells us, nope, you can't talk about James Harden and they boot us off. So let's go ahead and let's try to talk about James you can't, Harden. You can't touch him. You can't touch him. Nope. The beard has, has a lockdown on Twitch. Harden drops 44 on the Suns last night, extends his 30-point streak to 27 games, Huckleberry. 27 freaking games. What rolls downstairs? Owner and pairs rolls over your neighbor's dog. He did it again. We start talking about the beard. We got booted off of Twitch. Ha ha! I restarted it, motherfucker. We're back live. Okay, we're back on. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just he's, what I mean, what he's compiling here within itself is simply incredible. When you really break it down, though, he's a one man show. I mean, yeah. it's Harden. It's Harden. Four other. The hell you want to get going on down there? But I, that's not the real story going on right now. No, the real That's not the hot topic. No, the hot topic is well, I guess we'll, we'll we'll go ahead. Let's throw it over to a word from Kobe Bryant because we can do that. Since the NBA ABA merger, there are only 3 humans on earth who have had these crazy scoring streaks of 30 points or more over and over and over again. You had it 14 games in a row, you had it 16 games in a row, and James Harden, of course, crazy streak this season. What do you think of what he's doing Rachel right now? Nichols well, I think he, he has to do what he has to do in order for his team to win championships. I don't think that style is ever going to win championships. But at the same time, you have to keep your team's head above water to win games. So you have to do what you have to do to win games, and he's doing that. So are you saying you don't think James Harden and the Rockets, as constructed, can win a title? Not with this style of play, it won't win. Right, with one player dominating the ball. Because, listen, if you take one player, you put him at the top of the key, or you put him on the wing, and you're running screen rolls, you're always in front of the defense. Mm -hmm. The defense can key on that, mm -hmm. particularly in the playoffs. And that's easy, easy to, to defend. Yeah. It's easy to defend. Now, what he's doing is absolutely remarkable, though. And I think it's a testament to how remarkable it is because people are now trying to minimize what it is that he's doing. I mean, he's doing some phenomenal stuff, man. Kobe the Diplomat. Putting over James Harden, even though he says the Rockets cannot win a championship playing this style of basketball. Rick, you and I have talked about this off the air, but Kobe does bring up a very good point. Harden is doing what Harden has to do because Houston is dealing with so many injuries right now. I think it's funny that we're just talking about the Super Bowl, and you don't you didn't think it could get any worse than what we've seen there from uh, these so-called fans and their resentment towards the Patriots. I could not believe... The heat that Kobe is getting for, you know, a, a simple assessment of a situation 
where he didn't really – he didn't attack anyone. He didn't tear anything down. He just gave you uh, the perspective from one of the greatest players of all time. You know, his viewpoint said, hey, this is great for now. He's keeping his team's head above water. But if they want to go to that next level and win a championship, he's going to need help. And Kobe Bryant. knows a thing or two about that. I mean, anybody ever watch Kobe Bryant play? I mean, the, the, those last couple of years in L.A., Kobe Bryant was the team. And everything ran through Kobe because Kobe didn't have no help. Well, I mean, I mean go back to, the, you know, the Laker dynasty there. I mean, there was times where he had to, you know, he had to play that slash style, where he had to play ISO, where it was about him. But he knew, you know, to to maintain, you know, to keep those championships, to, to keep the rings, to keep the bling on those fingers, you know, he needed that assistance. And it wasn't just from the other all-stars like Shaq. You know, you needed those other role players. And he understood that. And that's simply what he is saying here. He's giving all the credit in the world to Harden. He, he's, he put him over as an amazing accomplishment right now. But kind of just, you know, gave that advice. You know, if you want to be a big player, if you want to get that ring, if you want the parade, they don't give, they don't have citywide parades for 40 point games. No, they have them for championships. Of course, I'm not a big James Harden guy. I'm also not a Russell Westbrook guy. I'm just not a fan of ball hogs. Huckleberry, I know we've talked about this off air, but I thought this was interesting too because Harden was asked about it and this is how he responded last night. Rachel Nichols interviewed Kobe Bryant today and he had said that he doesn't think that you guys can win a championship with the way you play being so ball dominant. What's your response to that? I mean, I have to be ball dominant just because we have injuries. You know, we had injuries throughout the course of the year. So, um, but when we get Chris, you know, in the rhythm and Eric back and get our full roster, um, you know, we got multiple guys that can make plays, multiple guys that can dominate the ball. So, um, I mean, for right now, he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's probably right. You know, this way that we're playing won't happen in the play. It won't get us to where we want to go. But we haven't had a full roster yet. So um, I'm excited for that to come. So now I guess my question to you, I know the Houston offense because Mr. Pringles, a.k.a. Mike D'Antoni, used to be the coach of the Lakers. So I've seen this offense. I know how this offense works. This is the offense. Can they change this? I mean, we're, we're, we're two-thirds of the way through the season now. You mean to tell me that we're just going to implement a whole new offense now? Well, I think there's got to be options in there, you know, where you can where you can dish and, and kind of dive and, and dissect this thing. You're going to you're going to need that. When you run into a Golden State where they're just going to shut him down, especially in a playoff atmosphere in that long series. And there's no way this is getting over. But you have to, you know, to speak to just actually Harden's response. I thought it was great. I'm not really, you know, to me personally, Harden represents what is the NBA that, that I despise. It is completely a, a, a 180 from the NBA that we grew up with. And it's something, you know, it's even more so, you know, we're wrestling guys going, you know, I sometimes have trouble letting go of, you know, the fundamentals of that and, and trying to get myself invested in this new era. It's even more difficult for me in the end. You know, I, I like that old style. And Harden represents everything in this new era that I dislike. But i got to give him credit here. His answer was perfect. He, he took it with respect. And essentially just echoed the same thing that Kobe said. He said, hey, right now I'm doing everything I can to make sure that this team is moving forward. And if we run into a roadblock, then, yeah, we're going to have to address that. And we're going to have to change our style. And somehow that translated to a bunch of hate from James Harden fans, from Kobe Bryant fans, from fans all across the league. Like, 
you listen to these comments in context, the full answers, way I, which is why I didn't just play like a little 10-second clip. I played the whole quote. There's absolutely nothing wrong with what either one of these guys said, and Twitter has lost their damn minds. Well, you got a bunch of JOs. Again, they, you go back to they don't really understand what they're watching, and it, it's just part of this generation thing. We're just we're seeing it outside of sports. We see it every day. We can go to social media. We can. I got Facebook open right here. I can start scrolling, and I'm going to get a headline, or I'm going to get a snippet from an actual story, and people are going to freak out about it. I mean, have, have we not learned right now to that content is king? You know. Look at the full story, the full scope of what is happening before jumping, you know, jumping to all these absurd reactions. It's just ridiculous because all you see is the headline. Kobe Bryant says Rockets can't win a title. <laughs> it's just like, no, that's not what he said. That's right. not what he said at all. Get over yourselves. So let's talk. Let's talk about the other team, the Lakers. Kobe Bryant's Lakers, my beloved Lakers. Always got to be about your Lakers, doesn't it? And they're not the only they're not the only the only party yes, they in are. Here. yes, they are. Yes, they are. The, the Lakers are the only party in town because we have LeBron, and you you and I both know that if LeBron was playing in Memphis, we'd be talking about the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, but but now we also have the Lakers going after Anthony Davis, and so let, let's get a little bit of an update as I'm literally sitting here watching Fox Sports so I can get uh, ongoing updates. Initial offers. Uh, you may have saw me talking with our friend Scorpio Sky about this on Twitter. Initial offers were Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, Michael Beasley, Lance Stevenson, and Rajon Rondo, as well as two number one draft picks. We're basically going to give New Orleans a whole new team and two draft picks, and the Pelicans... Are like nope, we're not having it. Uh, according to Adrian Wojnarowski over at ESPN, here's what I'm told: the Pelicans want to hear. They want not two first round picks, but four first round picks and four second round picks. At this point, for the Pelicans, if they want to do anything by Thursday, they've got to be absolutely blown away, and the Lakers have to measure out how determined are we to get Anthony Davis now, rather than let this thing play out. I'm out. I am not giving you eight goddamn draft picks in a whole new freaking team just to get a guy that LeBron's not even going to play that well with because LeBron doesn't play well with bigs. Well, you, you're looking at this thing. It, it seems that LeBron and and Davis, they, they've got it in their mind that they, they're a perfect match. I mean, this is LeBron driving this thing. We see this everywhere he goes. You know, Cleveland to Miami, back to Cleveland. It's the LeBron show. And he's in there flexing that muscle with you know the coach, general manager, and owner. So you're getting this feeling, you know, this is him really driving this thing. And you've got Magic Johnson, the general manager, who's kind of, you know, he's stuck in that hard place. He's trying to appease LeBron. And he's got he's got Jeannie Buss right there. You know, he's playing with her money. Yeah. Well, and if you're on the flip side here, and I know you're a Laker fan, so you're looking at it from that perspective. If you're the Pelicans, you got to love what they're doing. You know, they're, they're calling the shots. They know. They know that LeBron's sitting over there. He is that spoiled brat kicking and screaming that he's not getting his way. You know, he, he wants not, he just doesn't want a Sunday. He wants a pony and he's going to kick and scream until he gets that. So they know, Hey, let's throw, let's throw the most absurd over the top offer we can at them and see if they'll bite or we'll use that as a negotiating tool to maybe get some kind of middle ground going on here. I guess the latest I heard is that that magic, he just might walk. I mean, he's going to have to break this off at some point. That's where I'm at. I mean, I'm out, man. There, there's no way I'm going to give you eight draft picks and basically my entire team. 
So, and then let, let's go ahead. Let's talk about this next story, which was Carmelo Anthony getting traded to Chicago. Melo didn't even report to Chicago. The Bulls told him, we don't want you here, but we've traded for you anyway. We're just going to waive you so we can use it as a salary dump. And then after the trade deadline, he's a free agent. He can sign with any contender that he wants that's going to pay him the league minimum. It reminds me of Ray Allen when he was in Miami. Because Mellow's not Mellow anymore, man. Mellow can't... Catching Cobra's really tough, you know. And Cobra's up to something that with G.I. Joe. Cobra! Cobra blew up the bridge. Bridge layer to the rescue. Yosh, Michael will catch him. Introducing the new Joe's Barbecue and Shipwright. We're going to stop Cobra this time. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe Bridge Layer comes with driver. Or Striker comes with driver. Other figures and equipment sold separately from Hasbro. Yeah. Commercial breaks everywhere today, man. Go ahead. Well, here's what we're looking at here with the Lakers. If they're going to give up, let's start with all those draft picks. Okay. So, and hopefully when you bring over Davis, that's going to give you a boost this year. I don't think there was any expectations that the Lakers were going to be contending for a championship. It was get in the playoffs and make a little noise. So if you can do that, that means those draft picks you're giving up are going to be higher draft picks. You know, they're, they're going to be in the back end of those rounds. So the quality's not as there. You're not giving up as much. So, so, but, but you're, but you're losing, but you're losing those. So what you need to do is create cap space. So you unload all these other contracts of this youth that you have because you're going to have to become players. What you're doing is you're losing your draft, essentially. You need cap room. Uh, how much money, how much wiggle room does the bus family have? How much are you bringing in with your sponsors, your television deal? Where does that balance out? So you dump a bunch of those contracts so that you could become more active and a major player on the free agent market. But remember, the other thing that plays into it, too, is the lottery system. That absolutely plays into it. It's not just about being bad and getting high draft picks in the NBA. No, no. It's I'm saying, yeah. So if Davis fulfills, you know, what the expectation is, and he, him and LeBron can get into the playoffs, they won't be in the lottery. We're not talking about lottery picks that the Pelicans will be getting. Right, right. So here's here's the big rumor now. If the Lakers pull off this Anthony Davis trade and we trade away our entire team as well as our entire future team in eight draft picks, the Lakers are going to sign Carmelo Anthony because we just need the roster spot. Well, yeah, I mean, and I know you're turned off by it, but, you know, it, like I was kind of leading towards there, if you have no draft picks and you're getting rid of this core young group that you have now, you have to you have to become a major player in the free agent market, and you're going to start building a, a veteran team that's going to resemble more maybe like an Olympic style. And Carmelo could thrive in that kind of atmosphere. You know, if he can become like the, the seven or eight for you, then maybe he's credible and useful to your team. But, you know, but to assemble a team like that, you're going to need a ton, a ton of money and willing to go over and pay that luxury tax. And so that's what's going to have to they're going to have to figure in here. How much does this genie? How deep are those pockets? How deep does she want to go into them? How lucrative? Is, you know, I, they do have a very lucrative television deal. I mean, that's a hell of a market. But yeah, uh, Warner. how much is that is going to lend to that? You know, your corporate sponsors, where does that all play into and how deep do you want to go into your pockets to make sure that you can contend with? Because, I, mean, I mean, look at this. When you bring in LeBron and we saw some cracks in Golden State, you're kind of thinking, hey, maybe they're going to fall apart in a year or two. Like we were saying, nah, that ain't happening. 
Yeah. They, when they brought in Cousins, man, it, it looked like it fixed it. They went and got another awesome piece of the puzzle. They're back having fun. It, it seems like it, the spirit is back in that team. And then, hell, you still got the Rockets to contend with. You got the Nuggets that are, that are emerging. And there's always those teams, you know, the Mavericks, the Spurs, you know, in time, any time, they can jump up and get you. Let's talk about the, the Mavericks here. And, and by association, let's talk about Big Ray's awful New York Knicks. Uh, the Knicks send Porzingis down to Dallas. The Knicks get DeAndre Jordan, Dennis Smith Jr., Wesley Matthews, two future first-round picks. That's the important part there. Dallas gets Porzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, and Trey Burke. Uh, the, the one that really hurts for me if I'm a Knicks fan is Tim Hardaway Jr. I really like Tim Hardaway Jr. as a ball player. Uh, but Porzingis goes down to Dallas, so now he's moving out west as well, uh, which really frees up some more room there in the east. What do you make of this deal, and what do you think of the Knicks full-on we're in the Zion business now? Well, I think, you know, this is this is really a major gamble for both teams, don't you think? Oh, yeah, without question. Because I, I, mean, I, I love Christoph Porzingis, but, I mean, I look at that Dallas team, and I'm looking at the Western Conference, and I'm going, you're still not getting past Golden State. Well, even with Porzingis, I mean, how long has it been? You know, he's been on the shelf. You know, yeah. and, you he's know, been out for good? almost a year. I was going to say, was it a year, or a little over a year? So we don't know what kind of player we're going to get back. It looks like he is committed to Dallas, though. He wants to go down there and play. He wants to be a – Well, he's a big uh, Dirk Nowitzki guy. Is that a piece to really help you compete? You know, and then on the flip side, you know, the, the Knicks, they're taking the ultimate gamble, man. Let's start tanking because we're already printing Zion jerseys up here. Yep. I, I saw Big Ray had one out uh, that had a Porzingis jersey with a piece of tape over it that said I saw uh, it. Zion on the back. I think this is a really, really smart move. Plus, it frees up a ton of cap space for the Knicks if they're trying to get a free agent or two. The only problem with the New York Knicks is James Dolan. Can we get a new owner in there? And then we maybe we can get some talent up to New York. But just the way James Dolan has, has ran that franchise... I just don't feel like the Knicks are a popular destination where anybody really wants to go to be that centerpiece to put something together up there. I still think, you know, it, the Big Apple, you know, it still is that marquee. They're such a great spotlight. If you can go there and start changing the culture in that team, start winning, I mean, you can start printing your own damn money, man. I mean, the sponsors would be rolling in. I mean, everybody, uh, everybody will be lining up to get a piece of you. It would be good for the league if the Knicks were good again. And I wonder how long Adam Silver, because Adam Silver's a really, really smart guy. He's he's a Duke grad. He knows his shit. That's right. I got to get my Duke reference in on the show. Uh, but I wonder how long until he finds a way to weasel Dolan out of there if things don't change up there in New York. Because the NBA is much better when the Knicks are good. Well, I was going to say, you know, he's probably the smartest commissioner in all professional sports. Yep. Uh, and, and, he, and he really – he. He really knows how to navigate that ship. And the NBA is, is going in a, a tremendous direction. Uh, and, you know, the other leagues can really take example of that. But you're right. You know, he's got his two biggest markets now. you got the turmoil out on the West in L.A. I mean, they're trying to get that right. It, it doesn't really seem. But he, he's comfortable enough because you got it over uh, in the Bay with, and with, magic the Golden State, with the Golden State Warriors. He got magic there. And, and it's still – the Lakers still kind of had that aura about them. You know, they're still in the conversation. 
But you know, on the east on the east side of things here, that East Coast, the Knicks have all but disappeared. They're almost a forgotten entity inside the NBA, and that's not good for business. Okay, since Big Joe's in the chat room, I got to address this. Send some guys to Toronto. The Raptors could use some help. If they were decent, I'd watch again since Canada has only one freaking team. Be happy you got one freaking team. And kiss Kawhi's ass goodbye at the end of the season because that train is coming to an end. There was even talk that uh, Toronto might jump into the uh, Anthony Davis sweepstakes and send Kawhi down to New Orleans because they know... At the end of the year, boom, Kawhi is gone. Welcome to the Lakers. I was going to say, that's and that's another reason. You know, the Lakers are looking to build one of those teams. You know, And if you got Davis there, it's going to be on a very – it makes that, that sales pitch much easier for you. Uh, and, and the Raptors, you know, they've been trying so great. Not to really jump on Joe and Kenny here. Hey, they put together some contenders in the East. I, 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 think, I think they win the East. I honestly do. And then I think they get swept by the Warriors. I, you know what? That to them, they'll have a parade. Yeah, they'll shut down Canada for that. Well, yeah, but but you know, we are talking about the same team that fired their coach last year for losing in the Eastern Conference Finals to LeBron. They do take their basketball pretty damn serious up there in Toronto, and well, I will say, it, it, Toronto is probably the most American Canadian city. Well, well, it wasn't just because they lost to LeBron last year; it's because they lost to him three years in a row. Yeah, they threw uh, a parade when LeBron went out west. And then that, that bad taste in your mouth known as LeBron James, you thought that was you could you know rinse and spit, you were over with it. Well, wait till the offseason when he takes your best player. Yeah, uh, and, and I, I don't know, man, in a seven-game series, Boston is incredibly dysfunctional. We're not even going to talk about how fucked up Boston is. We'll save that for next week because that might be a whole half-hour show with what's going on with Kyrie. But... Uh, if Boston puts it together, they're going to be a real scary team, too. Toronto does feel very American. That's an accurate statement. Well, thank you, Joe. See, I, I, I bury Canada, and he still puts me over. Let's talk about uh, your beloved Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, the one p- good thing that they had going there in Cleveland was Rodney Hood, and they traded his ass to Portland. Huckleberry, I, what is the feeling around the Cleveland Cavaliers right now? I, everybody knows you guys are in full-on rebuild but how is the city taking the full-on rebuild? Are, are they growing impatient, or do they understand, as much as I hate to say this because this was Philly's catchphrase for the better part of a decade, trust the process? Oh, uh, he went to sleep. No, oh, it's, it's really, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a numbness. Uh, there is no feeling. Uh, they're kind of out of sight, out of mind. You know, people are still riding high from the Brown season. You know, if football talk is still happening, man. You know, it, they're still they're looking forward to next season. We got pitchers and catchers, you know, starting to hear shortly. They're looking forward to Indians baseball. Hey, when LeBron left, everyone kind of checked out. We knew what we were getting with the Cavaliers. I mean, if you go over to a game right now, Quicken, the parking pass is more than the ticket to go in and have a seat. Uh, that's where we're at with basketball in, in Northern Ohio. So it, it doesn't matter what the hell's going on down there. No one cares. There's other, you know, points of focus and excitement for the Northern Ohio sports fans. So Portland adds a three-point shooter. I'm not sure if that makes them any more viable or not. I, I think people are kind of overlooking Portland because they're Portland. 
And, you know, Portland's the kind of team they could go out there and get swept in four or they could sweep somebody in four. It all depends on which way the wind is blowing in Portland that day. I'm not sure that Hood necessarily changes that. As for the Cavs, I think this is a great move. They get uh, two draft picks and two players on expiring contracts. So you're going to have plenty of cap space. The only thing is, can you convince anybody to come to Cleveland? Well, you know, here's here's a nice thing, though. Got an owner with deep pockets. And he has shown, you know, he, he played that LeBron, that LeBron game where he would, he didn't care about the luxury tax. You know, he'll go out and spend if the players are there. But, you know, we're looking at, you know, some of these contracts that are expiring. And hopefully, you know, you can make a major move through the draft coming up. There's some hot, some very hot players coming out. Well, there's Zion and then there's everybody else. I mean, well, you're talking about, you know, like the Knicks making a play and trying to get him in the big apple. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are vying, you know, hoping that that lottery will, you know, favor them, that they could grab up. You know, just like Zion, too. I mean, just, hell, there's going to be three or four players from Duke that could be, you know, change a franchise for you. Yeah. And, you know. And then Duke will reload, and I, I hate the one-and-done system. We'll have to do a show on that. I, I think the uh, – I think right now, though, the current – with the current state of basketball in Cleveland – I think the only way they could draw a house is if they replaced the, the generals and the Globetrotters came in here for a game. Possibly, possibly they could sell some tickets, but I don't want to commit to anything. So that'll wrap things up for this week's edition of HTM Sports. Thanks for bearing with us through all of the uh, technical difficulties. I'll see if I can clean this up and put it all together as one show on the audio feed a little bit later on tonight. Until then, you can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod. You can find me at NotJargo. Huckleberry, how do the people find you? Well, as always, before we get cut off here again, just make sure you're keeping up with me across all social media platforms at the real RBV. Hitting the marks.podbean.com. We'll talk to you Friday. I've got all kinds of fun stuff to talk to Huckleberry about when it comes to Monday Night Raw. I'm sure that uh, angry vegan Kurt Cobain's going to do something crazy tonight on SmackDown Live. We've got some big elite news breaking. With well, uh, say, uh, we're going to be a little late Friday, right? Be a little. Oh, late. we have to. Yeah, we're going to record Friday morning because of the, the All Elite press conference. Oh, yeah, because of the press conference. So, yeah, show will not be dropping at 4.20 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. It'll be a little bit later on in the day. We will talk to you Friday. For now, Jargo out.